mighty most deaf. It's simple mathematics. Check it out. I'll revolve around science. What are we talking about here? Hello and welcome to Duke by the Numbers, your Duke basketball podcast. Hey gang, we're back. Uh, this is Russell, aka Duke Better. It's been a while. Uh, your boy's been incredibly busy. It's been a wild season. We've been doing a lot of the live shows after the games with Zion and Ryan. Uh, hopefully you've had a bit of your fill of my voice that way. Uh, but here, you know, it's the NCAA tournament. It's March Madness. And this is a game that everyone's talking about. Not just Duke basketball people, but everybody. Uh, lots of Duke fans are panicking. Lots of Duke fans are very, very confident. The truth probably, as always, is somewhere in the middle. And so I wanted to talk to uh, a good friend of mine, uh, a very, let's see, how do I put this? You are a mid-major expert compared to everybody on my Twitter feed. That much is certain. You've definitely watched more Oral Roberts basketball than anyone on my Twitter feed combined. Uh, myself probably throw me in there. I've seen him a couple of times this year, but you know, you're, you're more in touch with this sort of thing than I am. You can find him on the Three Man Weave podcast. You can find him on... Field of 68, his morning shows about gambling are always delightful. Uh, he was also part of Fielding the 68, their bracketology show. And I'm sure uh, if you need to fill out your bracket, you should definitely go check out their mega podcast for Three Man Weave that they just dropped. Uh, I'm not even close to all the way through it, uh, but I'm very, very excited as they break down every single team, including all the mid-majors in a way that you can understand. It's my boy Jim Root. Jim, how you doing? I am great. We're getting closer and closer to the content finish line, which means the starting line of actual basketball games. And I could not be more excited for that. Hey, the games yesterday were pretty good. <laughs> they were. You know? I, I actually uh, I picked up a buddy at the airport during the second half of Mississippi State pit. And I think I missed like 15 combined points, but it was close. It was at least close. I'll give it that. It was close. We'll talk about pit a little more later. Um, but yeah, I, I had that down on my uh, laptop on the ground while we were watching the bachelorette, uh, or the bachelor women tell all on the TV. Right. So, you know, uh, that way I'm, I'm just keeping an eye out on the score, watching the women tell all, uh, it's a little two for one deal. I, Jim, everybody's been talking about, uh, Oral Roberts, uh, on Duke Twitter. Unsurprisingly, it was a game that a lot of people had circled weeks before the actual bracket when it looked like Duke's ceiling would be a five seed if we won out. Uh, there were a lot of Duke fans who thought we could get to a four. I thought that would be ambitious, especially considering we know the committee doesn't really seem to weigh those Saturday games very much. Uh, a lot of people thought maybe Duke would get some injury considerations, to which I said everybody gets injured, <laughs> like unless it's a TCU Mike Miles situation, like something very obvious, they're just going to miss it. And then Duke fans really wanted the Virginia loss counted as a win, to which I say, yeah, that would have been nice, but I wasn't expecting it. <laughs> so we're here. We're at the five. They gave us the very cruel tease on the live show where it looked like we would be in Greensboro, but instead it turns out we're in Orlando. That was a real uh, additional kick to the dick. Uh, but we're here. Max Asmus, uh, Paul Mills, Oral Roberts. Uh, for the people who haven't seen, who didn't watch in 2021, or maybe who did, but you know, just think the team is different enough this year, which they certainly are in, in several respects. What does Oral Roberts look like on offense and, and on defense? 
Well, offensively, it's it's similar to two years ago, where it's very based around a pick and pop with five out around it. So you're top of the key. You have Ace Miss coming up, who has limitless range. They call him uh, midcourt max for a reason. He can pull up wherever. And then you've got Connor Van over the seven five Beanstalk that has been at Cal and at Arkansas, who's his pick and pop partner. Very strong at at shooting from range just off a quick release if you overhelp on ace miss or if you're playing drop coverage which is a concern the way duke plays lively uh we're gonna get to that um so a lot of that if vanover can't get that quick three off he'll dribble at a wing either isaac mcbride a former fringe top 100 recruit at kansas talented or at kareem thompson or carlos jurgens on the other side they've got a couple other shooters the keynote is that all five guys on the floor can shoot at all times. They don't play a single rotation guy that can't shoot and they don't fully sacrifice size to do that. They can play fairly big. I mean, Vanover's really tall, but very skinny. Uh, Mwamba and Deshang Weaver are two forwards off the bench that have a little more heft to them, but they're, you know, they're not a massively physical team, but it's very spread. You have to defend in space. You have to challenge shots. Uh, that's offense. Defensively, they are all man-to-man. They played five zone possessions the entire season, which is probably good for Duke. I, I've watched them play the Oregon State zone in Portland and have a lot of troubles with it. Uh, sure. But man-to-man, you can you can beat them 1v1. They're not awesome individual defenders. Uh, watching, we'll, we'll get to this a little bit, but watching Houston, they attack Vanover a lot with physicality because he is thin if you get into his body or you can get around him. Uh, that is one way to to go at them. He's he's worse on the ball than he is as like a help shot blocker, uh, and that's you know somebody with that skinniness but length makes a lot of sense. And you can kind of pick on Ace Miss a little bit on the ball uh, if you're able to have a primary guard that can get into the lane without a ball screen. So Proctor Roach probably has a, a chance at success there. Uh, so that's generally it. It's it's more a finesse team, but it is a hyper skilled team. Probably one of the most loaded with shooting teams in the entire country, them in like Penn State, one through five. Uh, so it, it is a dangerous matchup because they present a very high variance outcome. Yeah, I am interested about the Vanover thing, most of all. Now, I, you might know this better than me. Uh, in if Duke, Duke's been pretty good this year about getting opposing bigs into foul trouble, unsurprisingly. Just, you know, uh, with the driving that they do, getting into bodies. Obviously, Flip really wants to play physical down low. If Vanover gets into foul trouble and gets off the floor, I mean, how would that affect what Oral Roberts wants to do uh, on either side, really? Uh, it would affect it a ton, particularly defensively. His help side shot blocking is massive for the way they defend because they're not that great on the ball. They need him cleaning up at the rim. Think Gonzaga last year with Holmgren. Like, they sure. weren't very good on the perimeter, but if you got by them, you had to con- you had to deal with him at the at the rim. I will say to his credit, he plays a lot like Zach Eady in the sense that he is awesome with verticality. He's so tall that he doesn't have to really reach over to block your shot. He is a great foul rate. He commits two fouls per 40 minutes. Like He is not a foul-prone big. You can get into his body. That That is possible. But because of the verticality, it's tougher to draw those on him. He, he does a very good job of staying out of foul trouble. But you can also wear him out by going at him repeatedly. So he, he might need some brief breaks of rest. I'll say that the the summit that he played in was one of the least foul drawing leagues. So that benefited his foul rate probably skews the the stats a little bit. Um, 
it's it's a viable strategy for Duke. I think attacking him 1v1 will be beneficial. Yeah, it seems like so much of what scares me about the matchup specifically does come down to that five out having a center that can draw lively away, that can draw, uh, that can make somebody like Ryan Young completely unplayable. Uh, you know, I, I get concerned about the that element of it most of all. Um, maybe maybe let's start with you know <laughs> I've I've been getting a lot of flack on Twitter for talking about that Oral Roberts is good. You know, I've definitely had a few comments be like, do we know you're rooting for Oral Roberts? You know, no, dude, I'm not. They're just good. And you have to reckon with it. How yeah, I'm, I say the same yeah. things. I'm a Mizzou grad. I say, I'm like, Utah State can shoot. They're really good. And people are like, oh, we're going to pick them. Like, look, I really want Mizzou to win. But yeah, opponents can be scary. They're not walkovers. Oral Roberts is the same way. And, and going in with blind confidence strikes me as so insane. I, uh, you'd think Duke fans would have learned from last year. I mean, I, I had people angry with me last year for saying I didn't want to play UNC in the Final Four. And they'd be like, oh, well, you're running scared from them. It's like, no, dude, it's just one bad Caleb Love shot goes in, and then you're fucked. <laughs> and then you've lost. And that's what happened. So, I mean, like... It, it's not about lack of confidence. I believe Duke should beat Oral Roberts, but there is a percentage of the time that Oral Roberts beats Duke, and you have to reckon with exactly how that happens so that as you're watching the game, if those things aren't happening or if you think Duke is maximizing the way they should play to beat Oral Roberts, you can start to feel a little more confident. You can breathe a little more deeply. Uh, how does Duke beat Oral Roberts uh, in this game? Obviously, they're favored by uh, last I saw it was like six, six and a half, somewhere in there. Um, wh- why is Duke favored? Uh, how can Duke beat this particular matchup? Yeah, Duke is better. Like that. That's I, w- I won't debate that with any of the any of the followers that are saying we're, we're you know the sky is falling. Oral Roberts is is too good. No, the Duke is better. They've got more talent. They've got a lot more physicality, and I think that's the big starting point. You got to attack in the lane. Like I said, go into Vanover's body. If you try to finesse around him or finish from the weak side, he will be there because he is so freaking long. Um, I I think I'm going to push more for flip at the five. I know that sure. hasn't been a go-to lineup for Duke this year. I think our buddy Sam Vecini texted me that they've played like 70 possessions all season with flip at the five and no lively, no young. Uh, it's, it's not a typical go-to lineup but especially on the defensive end if you play drop max aceman can pull up all day or you can kick to van over um so i I guess i'll I'll focus more offensively what duke needs to do on offense i I think flip is a better matchup to go at van over because he can pull him out away from the rim attack him in space make him move side to side sure i don't really think you need flip to shoot threes but i I think like you said using him as an iso option from like the elbow or the top of the key where it's harder to help is big um and and i think that also gives you a chance to attack with the guards i said i don't think ace miss is a great on ball defender he'd probably be in the nba right now if he was yeah Uh, so roach proctor can definitely have a, a field day with it and i would expect the offensive glass to be big too mark mitchell's activity Level will probably give them a pain. Uh, Flip when he's at the four and even at the five will, will also be like that. Uh, I, I told you I rewatched the Houston game. They got a lot of offensive rebounds just by activity level. It wasn't even like physicality. They're just active. And if Duke can bring that same level of energy and not be overlooking this team because they're a 12 seed from the summit, you're going to have a lot of success. 
Uh, on the other end of the floor, defensively, you have to make the threes difficult. They will get them off no matter what, uh, but you have to challenge them. Houston is one of the best teams in the country at doing that. They did that a lot early. Oral Roberts missed their first 12 threes in that game. Some of them were pretty good looks. So, you know, good fortune also helps, but it really is. Are you making them uncomfortable or are you just kind of there? Like you, you need to be up in them a little bit. You need to make Ace Miss pull up from 28 instead of 25. Like that difference matters too. Uh, so I think those are the keys. Uh, contest the threes, play physically in the paint, both on your first shot and going after second shots. All things Duke is definitely capable of doing. Yeah, and Duke has a pretty good record of, I know that like three-point percentage defense is kind of a dicey stat, but Duke over the years has been pretty consistent at that, and I think a lot of that does have to do with with length and how they contest. Uh, again, sh- opponents shooting 30.4% from three this year. How much of that is just that the ACC sucked and how much of that is uh, other things, you know, remains to be seen, I guess. Uh, but yeah, I, I think this, I would hope, the defensively, our size, our length, uh, our physicality. I know a lot of people are very excited about the uh, idea of Proctor taking on Acemus. Acemus is really, really good. I'm like Proctor fan number one, but I still don't doubt that Acemus is probably going to get his uh, in some respects there. Uh, I think we've got to make sure our ball screen coverage is good. It's been bad at times this year. That's the big thing on defense that I've been most concerned about on Twitter. Uh, we have let teams beat us up in that respect. Um, I think it was Jordan Majewski. Uh, it wasn't, it wasn't him. It was the other person who is writing on his site. Some of the coverage oh, whose name is John, John right Fendler. Now. Yep. John yep. Fendler uh, pointed out how similar Oral Roberts's offense is to Miami's offense in some respects. And yeah, even in that last game where we beat Miami without Omir, I mean, Wong and Miller were just kind of like getting every mid-range shot they wanted, uh, making them all. Obviously, uh, Wong and Miller have maybe more height than Oral Roberts uh, does, certainly. I mean, again, they're going to wheel out like 6-6-1 in the backcourt. You know, even Thompson guys like that are what, like 6-5, They're somewhere in there, right? So not going to be huge. Uh, I would really hope defensively we just have to fight over those ball screens. Can't give them... A second, sometimes Roach struggles with that a little bit, uh, which definitely scares me less on Ace Miss and more on McBride. Uh, just And I, I'm really glad you brought up the pedigree of guys like Vanover, McBride. Like, they're not just Summit players. <laughs> they're high major talent playing in the Summit. And that is a recipe over the years for a mid-major to upset a high major. Uh, and then Duke on offense, I... I'm glad you brought up the idea of flip at the five. I think most of the flip at the five minutes have come when lively and young have been in foul trouble. Just anecdotally would be my guess. It's, it's been more out of necessity and not out of, out of scheme. I I would love to see it. I I do think that when we're on defense, I think lively has shown a propensity to hang when in space, he does. Okay. He's, not it's not ideal. He'd be much better at the rim, but I think you know him outside would be better than even somebody like Mark Williams last year. Uh, he just he moves fairly well, has pretty good instincts. Um, yeah, I, I also just kind of think this screams a game where Lively gets in foul trouble. Probably like I, I especially if he's having to defend in space. Um, 
in a lot of ball screen stuff. Yeah, that just that just kind of screams two fouls in the first six, seven minutes. So maybe we'll get it out of necessity. My my biggest fear, obviously, is that Shire goes to Ryan Young, who is very good in some matchups and is very, very not good in others. And I suspect he's completely unplayable in a game like this uh, on the defensive end. Uh, and on offense, just don't settle for threes. I think that's the biggest one. Duke sometimes falls in love with it a little bit, especially if we make them early. We saw Mississippi State do that a little bit last night. Now, they're a worse shooting team than Duke, obviously. But um, falling in love with the three is always a risk, and then turnovers are always a risk. Uh, I don't know the degree to which Oral Roberts applies pressure. I would imagine not much no, due not to their ton. sort of lack of physicality and their relative lack of length. So I'm not – overly concerned about that uh, again at their turnover forced rate like sub 200th in the country um so that's not really the sort of matchup where i get too concerned about that but we've also faced teams in the acc who don't turn o- opposing teams over we just kind of willingly will cough it up from time to time so we've got to avoid that we've done a slightly better job down the stretch but again against a bunch of really bad defenses uh not that oral roberts is a good defense but you know they might be better defensively than a team than some of those ACC teams that we played down the stretch. In fact, I'd say they almost certainly are. So uh, that's Duke beating Oral Roberts size, physicality. Don't settle. Don't turn it over. Flip at the five would be great. Uh, how does Oral Roberts beat Duke? Shot making for sure. I mean, that was their recipe for winning a couple of games a couple of years ago. Uh, it, when you get teams that don't want to come out and, and, pressure that ball screen that's where they thrive like that's why i keep bringing up the flip of the five thing because while lively can defend in space like he is a drop coverage big you want to funnel things to him let him swat everything at the rim right they have so many guards that can pull up off of those ball screens and if he's sitting back waiting to contest a mid-range jumper then who's guarding van over on the pop like that's that's where you start to get worried Uh, this is a team that is much easier to defend if you can switch because you just don't have to worry as much about the ball screens and you kind of force them into ISOs. And while Acemas can light you up there, it's probably a more preferable outcome than open shots being whipped around the, the perimeter because their ball moves great as well. Like if, if you over help off of one of the wings, that's not involved in the ball screen, they will find that guy and he will either score or attack. Um, so it, that, like you said, you, you underscored the ball screen coverage. I, I will also do that as well. And and the keys of don't fall in love with the three because Oral Roberts is a very compact defense. They they know that they are not that physical. They want to force you to go over the top, not really looking to force turnovers. And if you let them sit in there and just kind of launch and Vanover picks off just enough rebounds with his height, then you're letting them off the hook a little bit. Uh, I, again, I watched the Houston game. They really just rammed it into at least the mid-range where the the bounces come off softer, you get more of a chance for your bigs to be in better position for offensive rebounding. Uh, I think that matters quite a bit too. And again, I know Duke fans are saying like, oh, they got blown out by 40 against Houston. Oral Roberts missed their first 12 threes. A lot of them were open. That doesn't help. Houston shot the lights out in the mid-range. Traymond Mark had like arguably his best game of the season from like 16 feet. It was ridiculous. That game was a could have been a lot closer than it was. So it's not a team that just rolls over against better competition. Uh, I I think that the the shooting is the key factor, and that's obviously the ultimate unknown when you enter a game like this. But 
that's that's what it's going to take to be two because they're probably have to make 12 to 15 threes yeah uh i think that uh, another thing that said or roberts doesn't turn the ball over um which is uh, part of the yeah. giant killer formula maximize possessions if you're the dog yeah and, and which is also really interesting uh, another thing pointed out uh by john fendler is you know Duke wants to slow it down and play a half court type of game. And Oral Roberts is the one who really wants to speed things up. And it feels like a very, a weird dynamic compared to what you would normally get in a tournament game when there's a way more talented team versus a less talented team. And he sort of brought up the question of, I don't know whether it's in Duke's best interest to try to get into a, who can execute in the half court better uh, us or Oral Roberts. Um, which, you know, is, is a real valid question. I think the times that Duke has been upset in the tournament in the past has been just shot making. I mean, Lehigh did it. Mercer did it. I mean, those defenses I think are worse than the Duke's defense currently is, uh, again, sent in the last about month and a half on Bart Torvik, I believe we're 12th in defensive efficiency again, played some real bad teams in there, but, uh, you know, I, it's promising considering where we were in January, yeah, try to make those shots hard. Uh, and, you know, something we didn't bring up in how does Duke beat Oral Roberts is the glass also. I mean, we are a very good offensive rebounding team. They're not a very good rebounding team. They're especially not an offensive rebounding team. 305th on Ken Palm and offensive rebound rate. So clean up the glass. Give them one shot. Um, they're going to take one shot. It's going to probably be a shot with a decent chance to go in. Don't give them two. Uh, they make 37% of their threes. They make over 56% of their twos. And we can't foul. They're a top 10 free throw shooting team in the country. They don't take uh, a lot of them in terms of like free throw rate. Um, again, the lack of physicality you mentioned. But uh, we just can't give easy things to a team like this. Uh, I, I watched the pit game, the, the ACC game where we blew them out. And, you know, <laughs> it was a lot of fun to watch, obviously, as a Duke fan. But there were a number of times early in the game where Pitt just got like a look that was a little cleaner than I'd like. Like, and we're going to talk about Oral Roberts versus Pitt in a second because of things I said on Twitter. But like, I I just suspect that it, against teams like Pitt, against teams like Virginia, if you give them a cleaner look, I feel better about them missing than this Oral Roberts team. Just straight up, um, their offense is better than any offense we saw in the ACC this year. Now their defense is going to be struggle bus in some ways, right? Like, but at the same time, they've, and they've been here before. Ace has been here before. Mill's been here before. I don't know. Uh, I really, really hope we can test that, uh, that ball screen action in, in particular. Um, yeah. Lively in space. You're right. It's, and the drawing him away also just means uh, not that Oral Roberts is the most downhill team on earth or whatever, but you know, when teams have pulled Lively out, even though Lively's done okay at his assignments on the perimeter, then if teams do get into that mid-range, there's just not a long set of arms behind them, you know, on the weak side trying to discourage. And I think that makes a huge difference too. Um, I, I want to talk about a couple of points that I brought up on Twitter. I want to just play a little true or false with you, Jim. Um, and maybe I'll just start with this one because I already sort of alluded to it. I said that Oral Roberts is better than Pitt. True or false? I think that's true. <clears throat> I think Oral Roberts is a better version of Pitt. They're a yes. very perimeter-oriented team. They have a better league. Like Acemas is better than Jamarius Burton, and they probably have a little bit more versatility on the offensive end 
because Vanover is there. It's not Federico or the fragile Diaz Graham brothers up front, neither of whom can really do anything offensively. Vanover is a real weapon there. Even like as a role man, he's not intimidating, but you can throw it so high to him. Yeah. Lively does affect that if he's on the floor, but I, I, I think Oral Roberts is better. They'd be favored on a neutral court by like almost any objective measure. So I think they're better. Yeah. I, I mean, uh, also coaching wise, <laughs> I mean, yes. I, I got in trouble for saying this because uh, it's the ACC coach of the year versus the summit coach of the year. How can the ACC coach of the year be worse than the summit coach of the year? I, we, we have a pretty large sample with both of these guys. I mean, yeah, I guess it, it, I, I forgot to, I'll say they Duke is favored over Pitt by five and a half on a neutral favorite over six by six and a half over Will Roberts. But that, that included Federico and uh, Duke is better than like they have had two blowouts since then. They yeah. have up their analytical ring. So it, at least Correct. equal. But I, I personally think Laura Roberts is better. Yeah, yes, I think like if, sorry if, to if, interrupt your coaching point. You're right. No. Yeah. Uh, if Duke beats Pitt by five, we're not favored by Oral Robert over Oral Roberts by six and a half. Right. That that <laughs> yeah. game really skews the number in a big way. Um, I, I also think that Pitt's analytics are so insanely skewed by that Northwestern win where they won by like 30 at Northwestern and their Ken Palm jumped like over 30 marks or something like this. I mean, it's one of those outlier results that then all of a sudden makes the team look even better than they are. I mean, I just think that or Roberts is better offensively, defensively, every, every element, Um, which, you know, then brings up the question, Oh, but Pitt finished. What did they finish tied for second in the ACC? Um, I, so I said when someone held my hand to the fire and said, well, so what do you think or Roberts would do? Do you think they'd contend for an ACC title? I said what I thought was fair is that or Roberts, in my opinion, this year would have finished top five or six in the ACC. True or false? I think that's true. And do they get Pitt's schedule in the ACC that was sure. unbalanced and really weak and certainly helped them do what they did? Uh, yeah, it, that. That helps a lot too. Unbalanced schedules skew conference standings. So I don't I don't really ever cite conference standings in games that aren't or leagues that aren't true double round robin. Uh I think they finished top five or six pending schedule. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, uh, I'm sure that what people would cite is, you know, the lack of physicality in the summit versus, you know, what we get some in the ACC. I, I know that's kind of what was brought up. I, I had another true or false that was not on the outline that I wanted to toss your way, which is related to this, which is, you know, the summit is, is that so, this is what people said. I didn't say this, but people say the summit is so easy that Oral Roberts, you know, can't really be ready for the physicality of a team like Duke. Is is that a true or false? There's not a lot of physicality in the summit, even as mid-major leagues go. And so maybe there's an adjustment period, but like, people probably would have said the same thing about the big 10 and they beat Ohio state in the first round. And then they beat Florida an sec team in the second round two years ago that you can always say that with a mid major, it's kind of a crutch, but like some teams play up better than others. So I, I, yeah, it's, it's a very difficult comparison to make, but I think Oral Roberts is, is fine in that regard. They will be out physical, but it's not like they're going to get punked. Yeah, I I think that's fair. And and also the fact that they played at St. Mary's and only lost by eight. You know, I I know that I think the margin of that game was a little more earlier, but I mean, 
same area as a top, you know, 15 team Ken Palm, something like this. I mean, yeah, that's, that's no easy task. Uh, they played Utah state on the road, which again, maybe isn't the epitome of physical play necessarily, but like, you know, they've been in tough spots even this year. Um, I, I just don't buy ever that you can dismiss a team purely on, uh, conference that they play in, especially if it's a conference that has had some success, in tournaments past, if it's something like, I think it was, you said that like the OVC or somebody on your podcast recently said the OVC just like yeah. hasn't won in a billion years or whatever. OVC's bad horizon stinks. Like, yeah, the summit, yeah, there are has certain had conferences, plenty of success, including four of the guys on this team. Yeah. Smith, Jurgens, Thompson, Weaver all played in that sweet 16 run. And it's the same coach. Um, you know, this gets to another uh, true or false that I said that this Oral Roberts team is better than the one in 2021, even considering the departure of O'Banner, because a lot of people on Duke Twitter have been like, well, that team had O'Banner and they don't have O'Banner this year. Uh, and I posited that this team uh, is better than the one two years ago. True or false? Yeah, emphatically true. They're they're clearly better defensively by like every measure. They have more of a shot blocker. They still have the pick and pop game. Uh, Vanover's not as good a shooter as O'Banner, but they've got a little bit more depth. And yeah, the defense is just, they have figured out more of a compact scheme that has worked better for them. I, I think it's like definitely true. I also saw Acemus's usage rate was higher two years ago than it is this year too. And and their second option uh, in Vanover and usage rate isn't even really sniffing the usage rate that O'Banner had. So they're pretty clearly a more even uh, keeled offense. And then defensively, if you replace O'Banner, who is objectively really bad on defense with Vanover, who is good at what he does on defense, that's a huge, huge difference. <laughs> So, yeah, I think people need to get over the idea that because they don't have O'Banner that it makes a difference. O'Banner wasn't was O'Banner a guy? I forget. Was he a, a high major transfer down guy or was he I, I know he transferred up after Oral Roberts. I don't remember where if he came from high major pedigree the way that Vanover and McBride do or not. No, he's he was original uh, Oral Roberts recruit. And, and I'll throw in the eighth man on this. Or this current Oral Roberts team is Trey Phipps, who started at Oklahoma, and he like barely cracks rotation. Like they, it's they have depth of these high major transfers. Yeah, so losing O'Banner is not awesome, but Vanner's a great replacement because he gives them the same pick and pop with way more defensive upside. Yeah. Uh, and, you know, let's do a true or false. That's I've, I've again, people are thinking, oh, Russell's focusing on the negative. Let's do a, a positive true or false because uh, I feel this way. If Duke makes it past Or Roberts, they can make the Elite Eight. True or false? True. True. I picked it. I I think it is. This is you the, have Duke in the Elite Eight. I have not gotten to your part of the podcast uh, yet. <laughs> so I have. I've had a lot of debates in that area with the FAU Memphis thing, but I think yeah. Duke got the most vulnerable one seed. I know, and yeah. I think they got the most vulnerable one of the most vulnerable fours, a team that has been awful away from home and has an injury late that they're, they're having to figure out and has horrific tournament history with Tennessee. I think it's a very nice path for, for Duke there. The eight, nine is very dangerous. Like I said, and Memphis FAU, but I'd much rather have Purdue up there at the one spot than Alabama or Houston. Yeah. Uh, I think that Purdue, I, I think our game planning for how to defend down low is a lot better than it has been uh, early in the season. Certainly when Purdue absolutely massacred us, 
Uh, I think we're better off uh, now. I think our defense is certainly much better this time around. That's if Purdue even gets there. Uh, obviously, a team like Memphis and the pressure that they can put on Purdue's guards uh, makes you wonder if Purdue would even make it to the Sweet 16, potentially. Not that I love betting on like Penny over Matt Painter as, uh, from a coaching perspective, but you know, matchups sneaky are good. Penny has sneaky been good. I'm going to give him a little bit of flowers, but, but just not, just not Matt Painter. Good. Yes, generally fair, speaking. Fair, fair, right. Fair. Yeah. And you know, I, it's also just so matchup dependent anyway. Like it's, it's matchups, matchups, matchups. And if you're Purdue, the one thing you didn't want is a team that can pressure the hell out of the guards. And so like coaching may just like not same with like uh, the game last night, Pitt, Mississippi state. Chris Jans is, in my opinion, a much better coach than Jeff Capel, but Pitt has shot making in a way that could give Mississippi State trouble, and it did when it counted when the game was on the line. I mean, so then the coaching advantage doesn't matter if the matchup isn't good. And, you know, Tennessee, like you said, Rick Barnes, when was the last time he made a Sweet 16? It's probably been a minute, right? Um, and they've got the, the Ziegler injury. Um, I know Louisiana, some people are picking that. I don't really know enough yet about that to decide one way or the other, if I would pick a Tennessee upset, but again, they're a team that has shown they've been vulnerable over the last month. So yeah, I think of Duke, it's weird to say I'm more scared of Oral Roberts than I am of like Tennessee or a potential Purdue rematch because objectively Tennessee and Purdue are better than Oral Roberts. But that doesn't matter in the tournament. The only thing that matters is matchups. And I think that Oral Roberts' shot creation and their ball screen offense and their ability to spread the floor just makes it that much harder for Duke. It's higher variance. Oral Roberts' style of play is really high variance. Like, you could win by 25. It's totally possible. I don't think you're beating Purdue or Tennessee by 25. But Oral Roberts could beat you by 10. And because of the just potency of their perimeter shooting that definitely Tennessee does not have and – Purdue, you know, that's a, a different story, but uh, just, yeah, from an opening round match perspective, you got it. You got a tough drop because of, because of high variance with, with a lot of shooting. Yeah. Which kind of reminds me of like, you know, I, this is the only time in the world anybody would compare Oral Roberts to like Alabama, but whenever you're a team that just runs constantly and shoots a ton of threes, then you'll have games like Alabama had versus Oklahoma where they got like run off the floor just because they couldn't make shots. And so, you know, when your game is relying on shot making and, and the Oral Roberts is, is way more leveraged on shot making because they don't get to the line at all. So, you know, if we can just avoid those dumb fouls, then I think we'll be good. Uh, you know, what what percentage of I, I know I think Ken Palm has like Duke as, as a 63 percent favorite. Like how many how many times have you run this game? Ten times. Do you think Duke wins versus Oral Roberts? I think that's about right. Like I'd say seven. Uh, they're they're better, but you, they're yeah. three of those games. Or Roberts will make fifteen plus threes, and you're just like, ah, what do we do now? <laughs> yeah, yeah, that's and you know those are the ones that uh, those are the ones that matter. Um, uh, going forward a little bit, Tennessee, Louisiana. I have not heard your bracket breakdown on the East yet for Three Man Weaves uh, podcasts. Uh, I have heard all three others. I, I clearly did a great job of uh, preparing for this. Tennessee, Louisiana, who do you like in that? I like Tennessee. Uh, they're, they're pretty good against mid-major competition. They blasted a lot of them this year. This is one of, if not the best mid-major team that they've played, and they've got actual size. But I think you have to be able to shoot the ball to beat Tennessee. 
And Louisiana doesn't want to. They have like one or two guys that can shoot, but they have a very low three-point attempt rate. And I think that's just a major issue against Tennessee. If you can't shoot, you're not scoring against them. So I think the Vols take care of them. Yeah, uh, in Louisiana, mostly, like, are they the one with Jordan Brown? Yep, former Arizona-Nevada guy. He, he's the beast in the middle, yep. Yeah, so they probably just want to score inside. Yeah, they're, they're top three usage players have made a combined 15 threes. Like, okay, that's great. not what they do. <laughs> yeah. That might be tough for Tennessee unless their offense just completely uh, shuts down, which it does sometimes. Yes. Uh, do you like uh Duke in a Duke versus Tennessee matchup? Yeah, I love them. I, I think that's a terrific matchup. I mean, I know Duke, I just said you need to be able to shoot and that's not really Duke's forte, but Duke can match it and exceed their size. Duke's defense would put Tennessee in a world of hurt. That offense just does not get much going, especially without Ziegler's dynamism, a little on-ball electricity. I Yeah, I think Duke would be comfortable playing Tennessee. Yeah, my one concern would be turnovers. Um, you know, that's, again, I, I tweeted a month and a half ago that I think Duke's Achilles heel in March is going to be those turnovers. Uh, our turnover rate on the season has been has been just bad, objectively. Um but, you know, we, we're shooting the ball a little better than we were early in the season. We're making like close to 36 percent on the last, uh, you know, month and a half or so. Uh, obviously, Proctor coming around uh, more in that respect really helps. Flip has been making more, which really helps. Uh, so, yeah, hopefully even in a Tennessee matchup, that would be fine. Uh, who do you like in the sweet uh, 16 in the East? Not to spoil your three man weave podcast, but who do you like in the East from the sweet 16? Ugh, I don't know. <laughs> it's an insane, it's an insane side, isn't it? Like it's, yes. that's, and I kind of like that Duke is in the East because if you're a five seed and you're in the bracket of chaos, like then you can be, you know, like little finger from game of Thrones. Chaos is a ladder, right? Yes. We can just climb our way out of there. If we, if we just string a couple of good games together. So yeah. So you have, what, who did you say on the podcast for your sweet 16? I guess I can put it that way. I will have the winner of Memphis FAU beating Purdue. I, I have a very hard time picking Memphis FAU because I love both those teams. Wanted yeah. to pick slash bet on both of them in the tournament and then saw them against each other and got very frustrated. Yeah. Um, so I think Duke, in my opinion, will face a, a lower seed there. On the other side of the bracket, I've got Marquette and I've got uh, probably K-State. Debated to having Kentucky make a little run, but now I've come around to Providence in the first round, which defaulted me to Ooh. K-State. Uh, into the Sweet 16 there. Another coaching advantage, Ed Cooley over Calipari, maybe? Yeah, certainly arguable. You love Cooley <laughs> as an underdog, and Kentucky's all banged up with their injuries. So, yeah, yeah, I'm, I'm probably going to be a friar man there. Yeah, if Wallace is not 100%, that's tough. Uh, so then who do you like in the Elite Eight? If it's Duke, uh, let's say Memphis for the sake of the argument. I, I'd ra- like, well, let me put it this way. Who would Duke rather face out of Memphis or FAU? I would I'm kind of assume FAU due to the pressure that Memphis can put on Duke's guards. But yeah, FAU can pressure a little bit too. Um, yeah. they, they're they somewhat similar to Oral Roberts in that they have a lot of shooting on the floor. Usually it's four plus a truly paint bound center, but the, the paint mm. centers are good. They're, they're starting centers at Texas Tech transfer, and then they've got a, a solid backup there too. They they don't have a star like Acemas, which makes them maybe a little bit easier to figure out because you don't have to just send a bunch of attention at one guy. Um, I think you'd rather see FAU. 
And I, I have Duke in the Elite Eight. And I feel, like you've said it, I feel very strongly and agree that if you beat Oral Roberts, you're going Sweet 16 Elite Eight. And then who do you have on the other side of the Elite Eight between K-State, Marquette? I've got Marquette. I've got Marquette going. Um, I just I don't fully believe in K-State. Very, very two-man base. But I'm not mega high on Marquette. I like them. I'm not in love with them. I just, this region's weaker. Like there's multiple teams in the West that I would pick over every team in the East. So if Duke, if it was Duke, uh, if Duke emerges from the Sweet 16 to make the Elite Eight, which first of all, if that happened, I would be on absolute cloud nine. I think anything after the first weekend for this team, considering where we were about a month or so ago, would be absolute house money. Like, I kind of feel like after the ACC title, <laughs> we're we're kind of playing with house money anyway, considering Shire acquitted himself pretty well down the stretch. And that was all I was concerned about, honestly. Uh, but if Duke makes the Elite Eight and then we're watching a K-State uh Marquette game who are we rooting for I think you're rooting for K-State because of how reliant they are on the the Noel Keontae Johnson combination I think Mitchell's a great matchup for Keontae Johnson with the strength and athleticism combination and you can probably punk them in the paint and you can really do that to both of them Marquette's not a very strong interior team either but Marquette's got more offensive weaponry they're very connected uh, their pressure will bother Duke's guards for sure. Um, and I know everybody's excited about Cameron North at Madison Square Garden, but Marquette just won three games there. It's also very, very comfortable in that arena. So I think K-State would be the one you'd want to face. Uh, if Duke faced K-State, who would you like winning that game? I would pick Duke, but I would pick Marquette if it was Marquette-Duke. Yeah, I think that's completely fair. Um, and yeah, so would you say out of, out of the other people in the East, the worst matchups for Duke would be like Marquette, like maybe like a Memphis. Yeah. Um, I, I think Memphis is a tough matchup for anybody. That's just not like when they're engaged, they're better than when like they're not, which sounds obvious, but it's a team who really waxes and wanes focus wise. Uh, they had some serious problems with Tulane a couple times and then, uh, in the American tournament, they beat them by 40. So like that to me tells the difference between when it's a regular season game, they lose at home in overtime. Oh, when we're dialed in the postseason, you beat them by 40. Uh, just they have a true star, all American caliber star, all kinds of athleticism. I think Penny has gotten better as a coach for sure. Um, and they can pressure. So I don't love that matchup for for Duke. Yeah, boy, I tell you what, if uh, if Tyrese Proctor had to guard Max Asmus and then had to guard Kendrick Davis, if he acquitted himself well twice, there's just no chance we get a second year out of him. I don't know if we're going to get a second year out of him anyway. But uh, yeah, that's that's the sort of stuff that dreams are made of if you're trying to get into the draft this year. Um, and then like easiest matchups, teams that like Duke, you just think would do very well against presumably Tennessee based on the tone of your uh, description earlier, uh, anybody else that, you know, maybe on the other side who, if they emerged into like the elite eight would be like a, Oh my God, what a dream. Yeah. I mean, Tennessee, like Duke would be an underdog against Tennessee, even given the current states of the team. So like giving them as an ideal matchup makes, you know, it's not super great, but I just, I think it works out well for them. Um, the other side, I'm not a huge fan of either 7-10 team, Michigan State, USC. 
not terribly worried about it. You don't you don't have the Coach K ownership of Izzo anymore, unfortunately. Uh, but true. maybe Shire carries that on, carries that torch going forward. I know Jeff Goodman has Michigan State in the Elite Eight, actually to the Final Four. Um, so I think that'd be a <laughs> totally fine matchup. Uh, I think Duke takes care of Providence if they make a run. Kentucky, that'd be kind of fun. But Duke's just better, uh, a better version of Kentucky. Yeah. This blend of freshmen and transfers, Duke's a better version. Yeah, if it was Duke, Kentucky, I'd feel really good. Um, yeah, and then who are your Final Four title teams? Um, presumably you've got Marquette. Um, sounds like based on your bracket. Uh, and then in the other three, you go in chalk. I'm going Houston over Bama in the title game. So very chalky all the way to that spot. Having a lot of trouble in the West. Uh, mm. if, if Jalen Clark was healthy, I would have UCLA there. I'm still between them and my beloved dark horse horn frogs. Sure. Uh, having a major difficulty picking that sweet 16 game. I will have the winner of it going to the final four. A lot of good teams there, man. The, between Yukon, Kansas, St. Mary's, uh, Red Hot, Gonzaga, it's a very good region. I can't believe I'm not going to pick any of those four, but yeah, uh, that's the one where I have, have loved UCLA all year. Still think they can can get there. Um, and then TCU, picked them to the, the Final Four preseason. What's the point in giving up now? Probably going to ride with that. Are you are you staying away from Kansas largely because of the draw? Uh, because you know, like they're almost certainly facing a team that's a that's a borderline top 10 Ken Palm team in the sweet 16 would be my guess. Yeah. They, they also, I think it, you, you referenced John Pendler earlier. I think he tweeted, if they played Arkansas in the second round, there's a high probability that it would be the shortest line between a one seed and an eight seed. Sure. Ever, uh, because Arkansas is super talented and has blown out teams and, and Kansas isn't that strong of a one seed analytically. Then Kansas would be an underdog in the sweet 16 to UConn because UConn's Yeah better um it's it's a very very brutal path for the jayhawks interesting yeah i'd 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 love to see a tcu run i know that you would be just uh you know crowing from the mountaintops uh based on how in on the horn frogs you've been all season uh and then one final question before we send you out um you know pit won last night so that makes how many teams do we have in the tournament five right yep so uh, if I put the over under on ACC wins in the first round at two and a half, would you take the over or would you take the under? Let's see. So Pitt's got Iowa State. Miami's got the tough matchup with Drake. Virginia's um, got Furman, Creighton, NC State, Duke Oral yeah. Roberts. I would go over two and a half. I don't have like a strong sense on who the three would be, but I think the probability you add, you sum the probabilities enough. I think you get sure. to three more often than you get to two. Well, let me phrase it this way. How many in your bracket do you have advancing to the second round? I have Duke. And is that it? I know I picked Drake. I know I picked Creighton. Um, Did you, were, were you on uh, Furman? Yeah, I'm picking Furman. I think it's a great matchup for him. They got yeah. the unathletic 5C or 4C that's not really going to bother them. So, yeah, I guess I am a little bit anti-ACC. They skated by, uh, Pitt skated by last night despite leaving a, a shooter wide open in the, the final possession against and Mississippi State. And the tip State. back, and the tip back. The tip back's the one that Mississippi State should make. That's that's what they're actually good at, offensive rebounding. But And you can see um, in the, when I watched the playback, the, the Pitt guy, I forget who it was, who was guarding the inbounds, who should have been 
uh, boxing out on the on the putback, he is just standing there watching. There is not an ounce of discipline in that moment. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, he is just a spectator at that moment. It was a a butt naked tip back that he just like didn't complete. Um, yep. Very so reminiscent to like Duke Iowa UCF a little bit. Duke oh, UCF God. vibes there, you know. Yep. Um, yep. Yep. Yeah. So you uh now I know you I think y'all had talked about the idea that the Pitt Mississippi State winner might be the uh eleven seed that could go on a mini run. Would you put Pitt over Iowa State? Yeah, I, I thought about it before, but last night didn't leave me super encouraged. I don't know why Pitt yeah. Pitt should have been taking more threes against that defense. Like what are you what are you hammering them inside? That's their whole strength. And Pitt was really hot in the first half, too. They they take care of the ball, which is really valuable against Iowa State. You can't give them steals going the other way. Um, but Pitt is similar-ish to Baylor, who Iowa State completely owned with physicality and offensive rebounding uh, and has more shooting than Mississippi State does and a great coach. I think Iowa State's almost a better Mississippi State. So I, yeah, objectively, I think I have to pick Iowa State, but there's a chance. Pitt's high so variance so enough you, with so their you'd three-point have, shooting. you'd have one out of the, uh, out of the five then. Duke, the great savior of the ACC. Yes, that's correct. <laughs> As we always are. God, let's <laughs> fucking hope that we're the savior this year and that we don't lose in the first round. Jesus Christ. Um, but again, I, I, I feel maybe, maybe one final question. How do you feel about Shire after one season, uh, as an objective observer on the outside? Pretty good. He, I thought he got better as the year went on, which you want to see yeah. from a guy taking over, stepping into a role he's never had before. If he's still doing the same bang your head against a wall type stuff that he was early in the year, that that's an issue. Now, some of it, ACC, not that strong. Benefited from that a little bit, but also benefited from full health. I think yeah. that's what's the stat that 17 and one when they got the full team. Is that, is that exactly is that what it's it is? something like that? Yeah. Yeah. And so he clearly is going to bring in talent repeatedly and you just have to be good enough as a coach. And he seems to be good enough or better than good enough. So yeah, I, I, I'd be more comfortable with him than Hubert Davis. I'm, I'm most encouraged by the improvement of the out of bounds, uh, actions um the out of bounds plays and and even like at the beginning of the games i think in the acc tournament maybe it was every game maybe it was just two out of three like the first play of the game was clearly a set play that was just executed completely to perfection and you know duke in the last few years has not seen a lot of set play stuff really uh that's just not really what our offense has been I've been screaming for it. Um, maybe this year John had to do it a bit more out of necessity because we don't have a Paolo. We don't have a Jason Tatum, you know, but uh, I would love to have a coach that draws up more set play stuff um, that that just when you watch it gives you that sort of that that sweet Matt Painter Purdue vibe where the ball just like hums around and you get the clean look and it goes in and you know, the passing has improved so much. So yeah, I, and defense, I mean, this is a objectively down the stretch a better defense than we've had in, you know, at least a couple of years for Duke uh, and probably would be a top half, maybe top third team of the one and done era, um, you know, in terms of defense and down the stretch, uh, maybe even higher than that. So yeah, I feel good too. Hooray. Hooray for feeling good. <laughs> you see, people who think I'm a negative Nancy, we're ending on a happy note. Jim, uh, tell the good people where they can find you online. Uh, yeah, as you mentioned, the Three Man Weave podcast, that is our own little creative nugget that we have no overlords on. So we do what we want with that pod. You have been on it as our 
loyal host of Jeopardy in the offseason. Uh, but yes. right now we've got a two-hour episode previewing every single first-round matchup in depth, trying to get as much into the X's and O's as we can. Uh, we're also doing some work for Action Network. We'll have betting shows Thursday and Friday with them. Fila 68 betting shows Thursday, Friday. And then we'll be doing live Saturday and Sunday, hungover from the Las Vegas Strip. Those are always entertaining. I don't know how informative, but entertaining at the very least. Uh, and then we'll have some writing here and there. Uh, I, I wrote a preview of the Texas Southern Fairly Dickinson game tonight for Action Network, and have a have a pick on there. That's, so feel free to check that out as well. Who'd you who'd you who'd you take, or do we need to go see the article? Yeah, come on, I got to tease it somehow. <laughs> got to get them there. I'll ask you off mic. <laughs> there you go. There you go. Um, and for those of you who do not watch the shows uh, that Three Men Weave uh, do over March Madness. On Saturday, follow whatever Hungover Kai picks. Hungover Kai is like Hoodie Mellow of betting. <laughs> yes, you yes. know, untucked Kyrie of the betting game. Uh, he is going to look like an absolute corpse, but for whatever reason, he is just locked in to what's going on in the world. Um, you know, an absolute another level. Uh, Jim, thank you very much for taking the time. I know you're insanely busy. Uh, please go check out Jim and all of his stuff. Um yeah, and I'm sad I won't be there in Vegas with you, but uh, I've got fun things going on here, and maybe maybe next year in Vegas. Knock on wood. That's what I say every year, but maybe next year I'll actually do it. So, yeah, when you're when you're cashing checks for writing big Warner Brothers Hollywood blockbusters, <laughs> you'll be able to have flexibility. I know, I know, um, I know what it's coming. <laughs> blockbuster is a bit of a stretch, but I'll... <laughs> not busting any blocks yet. But we'll see. We'll we'll we're working on it. Uh, everybody, uh, I'm Duke better. You can follow me there. Uh, you know, if you're interested in my Instagram, uh, and other stuff, just in case Twitter, uh, goes the way of the Dodo, you know, at any given point, uh, I'm Russell H film other places online. You can follow me there. Um, some of you follow my beer, TikTok, uh, the beer travel guide. You can, you can check that out as well. If you like beer and you just can't get enough of my beautiful face. Um, Jim, for Jim, for myself, Russell, this has been Duke by the Numbers. 